0: Well, we have Jeff Lucas here with us. I would love to hear any encouragement, anything you feel like you are learning or as you think of particularly our 20s and 30s community. You know, we have folks who are being laid off. We have a lot of folks who are um, financially stretched or who are just wrestling with where God is in the midst of this season. Um, So I would love to hear anything that you are learning or things you're seeing. any
1: encouragement you have for us yeah I'm grateful Mackenzie for this uh, this opportunity because it's actually made me think about and pray about not only the 20s and 30s but but younger um, members of the Timberline family and beyond and I was just thinking about some of our amazing seniors who, who are in prime timers and Particularly for the 80 pluses who are definitely classed as being vulnerable for health reasons and sometimes in isolation alone And they certainly need our prayers, but some of those dearly wonderful people Have navigated some of the extremities of history, you know, some of them in the 80 pluses they were they were either born in the middle of the Second World War or or just shortly after And they've known what it is to know a world in disruption and um, but like for example for the under 20s they've not been through 9-11 in the way that even the 20s and 30s have and so what does that do it gives you a couple of things it gives you it can give you a perception that the world is basically an okay place to be and that sudden Mm -hmm. seismic shock Like happenings don't really occur except in a Bruce Willis movie and then Brucey always shows up in a white t-shirt incredibly clean and uh, rescues us from the meteor or from the virus or whatever and so here we are with a a generation that has not experienced this kind of seismic abnormality and Brucey hasn't arrived yet and I think what that can do is it can give us a sense of disconnection. Like, as you described it, people can be thinking, well, okay, I love God. I believe that God is all-powerful. And now this has happened, so where is God? And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of the fact that Jesus came to a people, Israel, who were in lockdown. He came, and they were in lockdown from their Roman oppressors who could just tell them, carry my bags for a mile and and they were taught will go the extra mile they were in lockdown economically from the tax collectors who were swindlers extortionately exploiting the people and they were even in religious lockdown from the pharisees who were loading them up with all of these religious rules and regula- regulations and so here's my point the gospel came to a people in lockdown and so the idea that the gospel doesn't work when the world goes wrong, that's, that was the situation in the world to which Jesus came. And in, just to give a, another couple of examples, the church in Antioch. Well, they were in Antioch. You can read about them in the book of Acts because of the persecution in Jerusalem. And those people had lost their homes and, and lost family members. I've just been reading today the epistle of James. And the, the book of James was probably written by James, the half brother of Jesus. So he would have seen Jesus growing up. So there's a pretty unique perspective there. But James writes to a group of Christians who are being exploited by the Gentiles because they've been abandoned by their Jewish friends because of their faith in Jesus. What's my point here? When you look at the world to which Jesus came, And when you look at the world in which the early church was birthed it was a world of suffering it was a world of of lockdown and so the idea that christian faith doesn't work that idea doesn't work because those early disciples had to navigate their way through those kind of Mm. challenges so 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 what do we do with with all of that well just 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 a couple of things i mean I don't know how your prayer, your prayer life has been during this time, Mackenzie, and maybe, I don't know whether I can put you on the spot, but, (laughs) but let let me put you on the spot. How's it been?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting asking God to intervene on the lives of, like in particular specific circumstances, asking God to reveal himself on a bigger scope. I think a lot of times for me personally, it's been slow, my being able to slow down a little bit having the privilege i guess of being able to slow down and try to see things through different perspectives has been really helpful to me um but trying to declare my trust or my belief in who god is has been a huge thing for me that i'm trying to to reorient myself to like okay god who who do you say that you really are are you that still, you know orienting myself with his um the comforting side of god and all-powerful side of god and believing that he's doing something in this season that he's moving in this season like i think for me it's been trying to to orient how does that what does that look like for my little life and then what does that look like on a on a broader scope what does that look like for the church what does that look like for the world when we're placed in um, environments where we really need him because sometimes I think we're pretty
1: comfy. Yeah, and I suppose, I mean, there's, there's no question about it. We are called to pray. And I, I was, again, looking at the, the epistle of mm-hmm. James when he's, he says, draw near to God. And in James's language, the language is cling to God, hold on to him tight. Mm-hmm. I suppose if I'm honest, I thought that prayer would be easier because normally when, prayer, when life is pressurized for me, I naturally scream louder. And then if if I divert my screaming into my praying, then that makes it a little easier. I have to say, I haven't found it easier, often because I just don't know where to start. Uh, And part of that is changes in me because my priorities have been reorganized, my schedule's been reorganized. And I don't know whether this is gonna make sense to you or to the, the lovely group there, but I almost feel like I've changed so much that I almost need to reintroduce myself to Jesus. And then in, in expressing some of the changes I might figure out and get under the skin of some of those changes. I mean, that's a pretty complicated way of of putting it. And then the other thing is, and you talked about, I think your phrase is was, was my little life. You know, when you look around the world and you see all that's going on, um, I was going to say prayers for parking spaces well we're not driving much now but parking space prayers all seem rather trivial and silly and and so I've been almost tempted to say to God look don't don't worry about my my stuff for now just take care of the world but then I'm a little scared that he might not worry about my stuff for now and just take care of the world so what i'm finding i'm doing when i'm praying is just trying to be honest and have a a stream of statements that at times are grateful and at times are irritated but you know when you look at the psalms repeatedly the psalmist says where have you gone how long and why Mm -hmm. well if that's good enough for the psalmist that's good enough for me And, and i think even to express struggles and disappointments and even even some anger in prayer can can be pretty good. I think as well, another thing I've been trying to figure out is trying to make sure that my that I affirm that my emotions are not the barometer of my spirituality. That because you know people have said to me, how how you feeling? Are you fearful? Are you full of faith? And and my response to that is, well, it depends what time of the day you ask me, and it depends what minute you ask me in any given hour. And and years ago a friend of mine told me that he said, you just need to remember that your emotions are not an indicator of your love for God. And I recognize um th- thinking about our twenties and thirties, there are people who are worried about their jobs, they're worried about their immune systems, they're they're worried about the future and i I think it's i think it's appropriate to say while god does not want us to get into numbing worry mainly because it's worthless it doesn't actually achieve anything i think it's appropriate to say that to be afraid is 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 not to sin but as we bring our prayers to God, and as we bring our fears to God in those prayers and share those with him, um, I think that can be a, a really important cathartic outlet, as, as well as the fact that we're partnering with God in prayer, which is what we're called to do. I've been asking the Lord as well, Mackenzie, about, about what, he want, what good he wants to bring out of this. Um, not, not just on the planet but in in me because again you know you can tell I, I mentioned earlier i've been studying james james has this statement he says in in james chapter one verse two he says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds and i'm like you cannot be serious i mean what how dare you Suggest that I am not going to headbutt a tambourine and say, Hooray for the coronavirus! And I'm not going to get excited if a truck runs over my foot or I get a parking ticket because I couldn't get a parking space. But then James is not saying celebrate evil, he's not saying be happy because those first Christians were being persecuted. He goes on to say, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So what James is saying there is your attitude to suffering matters. Don't waste this moment. I am not one of those people, Mackenzie, who takes the view that this is somehow a judgment from God. I am someone who affirms that God is able to redeem that, which he's not the architect of. And therefore, what that means is that, beautiful stuff can come out of ugly circumstances and so maybe as i learn to rejoice not in the pain and i'm not in pain but you know what i mean not in the painful situation but but celebrate the truth that i can learn something about patient prayerful faith because again, the book of James it begins with patient, prayerful faith, and it ends with that in chapter five. But those are the bookends um, of it. Um, then um, something good for, for me personally, in, in my own character, if you will, is, is going to emerge from this. Mm. That's
0: great. Thank
1: do you think? I'm going to ask you this because. Um, mm i'm hearing some people because we're able to do this by zoom and we're, we're 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 able to do church virtually which is such a gift i mean even 10 years ago we might have been able to exchange emails but we wouldn't have been able to do this in quite the same way i'm not sure of the timeline but something around that do you think i'm feeling that this is a good time to really value our our, our being together our gatherings uh, and that this should never be seen as a substitute for those. Obviously, right now, these are a substitute. and mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that this is going to provoke a hunger for actual gathering because there's nothing like it. And that we won't, may, maybe we'll rediscover once again, or we have rediscovered the value of being together. What do you think?
0: Oh, totally. You know, it's funny when a lot of older generations had so much concern about young people and being on their phones and the devices, and it's too much screen time. And, you know, there's so much concern about that. And I am finding, even in just this season for me with work, and I know a lot of our 20s and 30s folks, we're on so many Zoom calls. Um, we're spending so much time virtually that we're just like sick of it, like grateful for it, but over it. Like a, there's like this fatigue that's coming where we're just like me and we miss being together and with the church or with our faith communities, I think it's always like really interesting that people could pick and choose. You know, you can bounce around from like, I want worship from Bethel or I'm gonna watch this podcast here. Or you kind of can like cut up a online content like I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this in this information. And now being where we are where that's like all we have, I think there's gonna be some unique gifts that are brought from this. Where now we can't wait to just be in the room. No, we can't just wait to be next to somebody, whether that's a stranger, whether that's somebody like a different that we don't know, families that sit next to us at church. Like, I think there's a lot of gifts that are going to come from like how excited we're going to be to be back together on a Sunday, how excited we're going to be to be at our small group that we just took for granted. Like, I think that's going to be a, a huge gift that this brings and this gives us.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it that when you look back at the early church when when they The 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 most punitive thing that the early church could do to bring somebody to their senses was to deny them the privilege of fellowship They would put them out of fellowship. It's like I Tell you what if you don't straighten up We're gonna really hit you with great hurts to bring you to your senses. You're not going to be able to be with us now Isn't that when you turn that around, you see that they valued being together like a priceless jewel. This was like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, don't deny me the preciousness of that. And I, I, I suppose I'm really hoping that we don't come out of this like church hopping consumers who say, yeah, you know, well, they didn't, they didn't, they don't sing my songs and they, you know, whatever. Uh, but rather we go the other way and we say with with all of its challenges at times and frustrations that there can be in even being together because the church is it's full of people like me I was gonna say like you too but I won't be so presumptive but you know with with the kind of ugliness and and in pros in the process people that we are the celebrating the value of being together is is so important i just wanted to say one other thing and then i wanted to share a prayer with you because i think i blethered on longer than you probably wanted me to but um, That's great. um the you know the, talking earlier about what do you say to a group of suffering people and um again in 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 the book of james writing to these people who'd experienced such such uproar and he talks to them about temptation about how tempt and I'm like what are you what are you talking about I mean these people have got other things to worry about they don't have homes they don't have businesses and you're talking to them about their personal morality and it suddenly occurred to me that when we are in difficult circumstances we can say something like this we can say look I know this is wrong but life is tough so, I need this. And we can excuse our behavior because of the pressure of the circumstances. James drives a truck through that kind of thinking. And he's like, he's calling us to diligence and to attentiveness and discipline during this time. And so, whenever we're tempted to rationalize potentially poor choices by saying, well, you know the the world's in a tough spot, and I'm feeling a little low. So I just need this for me. Let's just remember that 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 is that is not what Scripture encourages us. That's not a posture that we're encouraged to take. Rather, um, you know, let's be let's be uh, diligent and attentive um, at this time. The prayer that I wanted to just it's not a prayer that I, I necessarily want to pray but um it's just a prayer that i wanted to share um and and this i mean it's kind of an extreme situation to say the least but one of the most powerful prayers in the midst of suffering that i've ever read was uncovered um ravensbrook concentration camp which was built in 1939 to incarcerate women and children and 90,000 women and children perished there um, murdered by the Nazis and Corrie ten boom who wrote the book the hiding place she was imprisoned there as well and there was this prayer that was found in the clothing of a dead child and it it says something about the fruit of suffering um, let me share it with you this again found at Ravensbrook Oh Lord remember not only the men and women of goodwill but also those of ill will. But do not remember all of the suffering they have inflicted upon us. Instead, remember the fruits we have borne because of this suffering, our fellowship, our loyalty to one another, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart that has grown from this trouble. When our persecutors come to be judged by you, let all of these fruits that we have borne be their forgiveness I mean remarkable humbling words and of course we are not in a position where we're like those early Christians we're not having to pray that for our persecutors but we are finding ourselves in challenging times and this brings us back again to this truth that while God is not the architect of this Something beautiful, some wonderful fruit, to use the language of the prayer, can be birthed in us um, as a result of us clinging to God, staying faithful, being attentive, uh, being honest with him, and then navigating the season hand in hand with him by faith.